Places Every Day Ayurveda and Yoga, recorded at Halepule on beautiful Kauai. Each month we cover topics that can help you find balance in your life through food, good living, and the eight limbs of Raja Yoga. Learn more at halepule.com. And here's the show. Hello everyone, this is Myra and Kelsey with Halepule's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. This month, so far, we've gotten our beehives. Yep, we're setting up two for honey for our own use. And we have a, a student good friend, Leah, from Maui, who's a beekeeper, and she's coming to help us catch a swarm. Oh, I can't wait till we can harvest our own honey. How long does it take from the time the swarm comes to be able to harvest? Oh, probably six months to a year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. so it's a little bit of a wait, but it's really worth it. I look forward to that, and also to our fruit trees. They're yeah, growing. They are, and we had an arborist that came to, to guide us on how to better listen to the fruit trees. So we have uh, almost a couple of hundred uh, tropical fruit trees that are mostly quite young, and so we're learning how to listen to what their needs are and make sure that we have the very best soil for them. Hmm. relates very much to what we do in Ayurveda in terms of how we take care of our body on the inside, as well as our mind. Mm. And then Vanessa harvested our first large turmeric harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and auspiciously at 108 pounds. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so we're, we're enjoying it ourselves and we're sharing it with others. Something fun is the wheatgrass we've been having. Yeah, we've been growing our own wheatgrass now, so we grow it from organic wheat berries. And it grows in the ground so that the taste and the quality of it is completely different from that grown in a tray, as many of us may have had from a a health food store or somewhere like that. There's incredible sweetness and uh, the bitterness is much lower. But most importantly, there's the, the nutrients in the dwanda, the life force, is there. So the wheatgrass is much more enjoyable and very effective in terms of assisting with balance in the body. It's been nice just having the sweet taste. Yeah. Our TT students were enjoying it too. We just had a training that was completed and we had students from Europe, Australia, Japan, and then throughout the USA. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of feminine energy, and we had one man in our group, and we were so happy to have him because Mm -hmm. it's really nice to have the balance there. And he can take uh, the teachings of Ayurveda and yoga, and his intention is to share that with the men of his community. You know, Mm -hmm. And the other thing we noticed, too, is that how women's cycles, when they come together in a group, they will often shift and start to to, uh, come into alignment with each other. Yeah, and something that people commonly bring up is that with the regular schedule of sleeping and eating and with fresh food that's high in prana or life force, there's PMS and cycle symptoms quickly reduce. And one of the students, she shared one morning that her her moon time, as we call it, just came. It just came and there were no symptoms before or during. Right, right. And this is really how it's meant to be. The characteristics of having a balanced menstrual cycle for a woman is that it would come a time where she might feel a little bit more quiet and inward, and it would be a time for uh, less outward activity. But that's it. The rest of that, all those other symptoms, 
are are not meant to be and when we're in balance they don't happen i've heard you explain that numerous times at different events and trainings and every time i feel amazed again just because the symptoms are so common and they're accepted as normal now yeah and i recall you sharing about your mother not having heard of pms until the 60s meaning that she didn't experience it personally and i'm assuming neither neither did her peers yeah that's right that's right i mean there wasn't anything the name pms didn't exist but it really just happened um actually even my older sisters who are eight and nine years older than me didn't have that experience and really couldn't understand it when it started happening to me but that was just at the time when we were being exposed to more chemicals in our food and more chemicals in the environment especially wow it is difficult to imagine yes in a sense a life without pms so then you're saying that it's unnatural to have symptoms that's correct it is not natural to have symptoms especially things like mood changes and cravings and pain and uh, lethargy those are not natural things to happen around the menstruation or moon time but they have become normal and it really became this way in the mid to later part of the 20th century and it's it's really progressed as people's living and diet have become more and more off balance. Mm-hmm. You mentioned chemicals in the environment and in food. What yeah. else in our living? Yes, there are other Sorry. things. You know, eating out, because again, there's you don't know what's in the food. And oftentimes sugar is added to the food, and refined sugar is a contributor to the imbalance that causes right. symptoms. And they don't often use high-quality oils or other ingredients. Right, or if, they, if the food is not fresh, you're eating food that, well, you could be eating cardboard, and it might be just as good. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, these are not things that are going to bring balance in the body. The irregular eating schedule of people now also causes some problems. Women moving into the workforce and trying to do too much, so just excessive amounts of stress are also big contributors. So, in your early days, what was being a menstruating woman like? <laughs> I like the way you said in your early days. It made it sound like it was at least 300 years ago. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, you know, people didn't talk about things as easily as they do now. Uh, you would only talk about that behind closed doors. Mm. You wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't ever refer to it as something as comfortable as a moon time or something that's, n- that's very natural. Uh, at least in the environment that I was in. It was actually pretty fun with this teacher training group. One of the students taught, and it was the man in the group who said, remember to ask about their moon time. And <laughs> he was the one who was really, really wanted to make sure the ladies were taken care of. Right. That's right, yeah. And so we do have special, you know, there are con- special considerations during our moon time and things where we should be more gentle and more considerate to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But back to how it was, you know, it was considered something kind of mysterious. And at the time I came along, then there was some education that was taking place, but it was very sterile. Mm -hmm. Um, And the attitude uh, when people started to have symptoms was that it was a problem. It was as if it was a weakness and that it was a problem to be a woman because you had this inconvenient thing that happened. 
And this, I think, was also perpetuated by our commercial environment. And then as women tried to have some equality, they were trying to keep up with men, and we actually started to try to become like men in a lot of ways. And so this notion of having this moon time and this cycle uh, became something that was not, not uh, revered. Mm-hmm. So if we have any mothers listening and they have daughters that they would like to have perhaps a balanced experience with their menstruation when the time comes, what types of things can they do to support a balanced cycle? Well, you know, it's really very much the same thing as all the adults need to do. And that is that we need to have a regular sleeping schedule, and children especially have to have enough sleep. And depending on their constitution, they need 8 to 10 hours of sleep. And for adults, it's about 7 to 9? About Yes, about 7 to Mm 9. And the thing is, too, is that it's important that they go to bed at at a certain time. So it's it's important that they're not going to bed at 11 o'clock at night, and maybe they're still going to get 9 hours. But this isn't appropriate for them. It will still cause imbalance because pitta comes up after 10 o'clock at night, and so their energy is much different, and that will cause imbalance for them over time. And then the other thing is a regular eating schedule where they have warm, fresh-cooked food um, and that there's some balance of augmenting and extractive foods. And that means foods that are nourishing for them, that are going to help them grow, and that they have some of the extractive foods, things that are more cleansing in nature. They need to have appropriate quantities at a mealtime and in a peaceful atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, eating out in loud places and lots of running around and activity really isn't going to give them the balance that they need. And having children not eating you know, large amounts of sugar and not having any refined sugar is going to make a huge difference in your ability to have them you know, sit with you for a meal and, and become used to that. Additionally, they need to not eat too often. Mm. Uh, and I know that yeah. a lot of the, the talk for many years was that, oh, you know, you just need to eat all day long. Or, and now in the schools, they're giving out a lot of times where the, the children are eating so that their digestion can never really be complete. And this will cause the imbalance so that when a young girl comes to puberty, then mm-hmm. she will have problems. Mm. You mentioned augmenting and extractive foods for those that that's new for. We have a meal planning post in the recommended materials section of our website that gives those lists of foods so you can select from the lists and we also have a chart that describes the different proportions of foods in a balanced meal. Yes, and you want to consider having about 60% augmenting and 40% extractive. And so for a person that is uh, reasonably healthy, that's, that's a good place to operate. There could be reasons to vary from that, but if you work with that, it'll be a, an easy way to keep one's weight balanced but still getting enough nourishment to feel good and have plenty of energy and vitality. Yeah, and I can see for little girls as well, it can help them just to be themselves and continue to be themselves ongoing. Yeah, and one of the other things that augmenting food does is it helps us to feel more grounded and stable. And I know this would be helpful to uh, most children and especially Mm -hmm. to little girls. You know, one of the other things that I think of when we talk about how can we prepare girls for coming into their moon time and coming into this maturing into a woman, you know, it's a a very large topic, actually. So we're just touching (laughs) it here. 
But um, one of the things to also consider is to allow some of that innocence to remain in childhood and let, let, let a little girl develop naturally through her creativity and her intuition. These are the things that are strongest in women. And so we need to do, have them do things that actually cultivate that. So perhaps not trying to be like boys or becoming sexually oriented at very young ages. These are things that actually tend to move them away from that creativity and intuition. So what types of things could they do to promote the creativity? Well, uh, making sure that they're involved in activities that are not necessarily competitive, Mm -hmm. that are things where they actually are either creating something or they're uh, using a part of their creativity to, to participate in something. So that's very different than than just being in a competitive environment. And then the next thing, too, is that when a young girl comes to that place of puberty, honoring this passage with a ceremony about the beauty of being a woman. Ah, it, that would have been nice. Yes, it's a really, it's a tremendous thing. You know, we've done some of those ceremonies with young ladies, and it's just a wonderful thing to be able to do and and to allow them to experience, because... We want them to start to feel right away, you know, the power and the wonder of the ability to create that comes with being a woman. And then for young women, uh, we just want the to consider being balanced and natural, you know, so that they can find their self-love and self-respect and have a lot of enthusiasm for life. Uh, so again, when when we prepare. Uh, ourselves, or, we, or when we're prepared as a little girl to become a woman and have respect for it ourselves, it makes it much, much easier to do. And even if that didn't happen when you were a young girl, these are still things that we can do for ourselves as a woman. Yes, and most of the clients we work with now have numerous sy- symptoms listed for before, during, and after their menstruation. And some of the most common ones we see are symptoms like fatigue, cramps, breast tenderness or swelling, irritability, oversensitivity or being moody, and then the aches and pains is another common one. And that will vary based on their vakriti or the state of imbalance. Also depends on their dosha. Mm -hmm. It does. It depends not only on the dosha that's most prominent, but really it's the the dosha that's most out of balance. So, for example, um, vata symptoms are things like painful cramps, feeling fearful or depressed or anxious or edgy, um, lower back ache, headache, and some bloating and mood swings. But, but the vata symptoms will typically have a lot of pain involved. And then sim- symptoms that are more oriented toward pitta imbalance are irritation, agitation, being impatient, breast tenderness, swelling, hot flashes, diarrhea, acne, or an excessive amount of blood flow in the menstruation. Hmm. So with the vata then, back to vata for a moment, what if it's irregular menstruation? Irregular menstruation is another symptom, yes. And also a very, very light flow Mm -hmm. is another symptom for vata imbalance, Hmm. yes. And then kapha, the typical symptoms are fatigue and heaviness and depression, um, and feeling like you want to withdraw from everything, uh, bloating, lethargy, food cravings, and especially for sweets and oily foods, uh, crying very easily, swollen breasts, 
and then sometimes edema or puffiness or a, a swelling in, in the body. Okay, and we'll take a quick break. Getting Started with Ayurveda program is designed to balance the doshas and clear up all types of symptoms. And it's an online program that you can do at home. Here is an excerpt from a letter we received from a client, Moni, who completed our Getting Started with Ayurveda online program. She says, It was kind of crazy that after finishing an intense Ayurveda training in California, I desired more. It was great finding this on the Hale Pule website. This is the thing, dear Myra. I was undergoing trainings and studies to become a knowledgeable person for others, but I didn't apply the knowledge and conscious self-nurturing to myself. I was struggling inside myself. There is a right time for everything, and I am taking baby steps to learn that I must stop consciously from my health routine. It is as relevant as the dedication and respect I put in my craft toward others. The way you deliver your teachings has been fantastic. They came to my life in the right time. This online program will help you understand your Agni, which is your digestifier, and learn how to feel better on a day-to-day -day basis. It provides you with simple tools that can be implemented at your own pace. We're back from the break. We've been talking about symptoms of menstruation, and I personally used to use a lot of chemicals to work with that. I used I had pain, I had vata type symptoms, and I used painkillers. I actually also was using birth control pills to regulate my cycle and some of the symptoms. From what I hear, the people I know that that's really common these days, for people to come here for a training and not use their painkillers immediately, and the first sign of a cramp is you know a pretty big thing for them. So. There are natural ways to deal with the symptoms, and what are your primary suggestions for eliminating them in a natural way? Well, we actually find that if you take away the, some of the things that are causing the problems, that a lot of people will come back to balance very quickly. Mm. So, for example, if you get on a regular eating and sleeping schedule and reasonable food without snacking, for, as an, just as an example, those things will make a big difference. So what do you mean without snacking? Uh, uh, that means uh, having three meals in a day and that you don't eat anything in between. Or let's say you're going to have maybe six or seven hours between uh, lunch and dinner, for example. Then you might have something small that digests easily uh, as a snack, if you want to call it that. But just popping things in the mouth doesn't work because then your body is digesting all the time and it never gets to complete that digestion properly and that causes big problems, causes imbalance. So there's a term called grazing and I used to, I used to be a grazer. Likely that contributed to the symptoms I experienced? Definitely, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's in the past. Yes. So other things that we need to think about in terms of eliminating these symptoms is making sure that the food that you're eating has some life force in it, so not eating junk. Uh, because most, most things that are in packages or have been sitting on a shelf for months or years even, those are things that all are going to contribute to imbalance. But other even things, if they're organic? Even if they're organic, exactly. <laughs> even if they have organic ingredients in them. But if they've been processed so that there's no more dwanda, dwanda means natural balance, meaning that's the natural balance of the food. 
background. So we're looking for prana or life force in the food. Other things, though, that are really big factors that I find today in people's diets is uh, alcohol, caffeine, refined sugar, leftovers, barbecue, and deep fried foods. That's, it makes so much sense that the symptoms and imbalance are so common these days because that was my diet prior to learning about Ayurveda, mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> pretty exclusively. Right. And so, you know, people say, well, you know, what if I only have one glass of wine a night? Well, your body is always having to deal with that. So it's just something that you have to think about. Mm -hmm. If you cut, let's say you have three glasses a night and then you decide to cut down to one and you can, you'll see the difference. But if you don't cut it out, you really won't know what it could be like without it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, clearly that refined sugar is a major contributor to PMS symptoms, but you know that was something that I, I had such difficulty letting go of. And you know, I just wasn't willing. I, there was some disconnection between me being able to get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, refined sugar causes really significant imbalance in the brain chemistry as well as in the endocrine system, which will affect the hormone balance. It also causes imbalance in other aspects of the body and digestion. So it's easy to understand how one could start to feel really attached to it Mm. because those kinds of dramatic changes, um, then the mind will get attached. And so then we think we can't live without it or we think of it as reward and it's something that gives us that quick high. The only thing we need to remember, though, is that for every high there is a low and that that will come later. And so we need to learn to associate the consequences of what we do and what we eat with how we feel. And I finally had to decide that I wanted to feel good. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to feel good. And I, he would often tell me, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> I, I really wanted things to change, all those symptoms to go away. Yes, and so we want the symptoms to go away, so we have to make some of those changes. So one other thing, of course, to consider is that we want to have foods that are appropriate for for our dosha. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that doesn't have to be rigid, but we just need to be sure to stay out of the extremes and be in a reasonable range. So, for example, for someone who has vata symptoms, we'd want to make sure you're having warm-cooked foods rather than, you know, rice cakes and popcorn and dry, light foods that would continue to aggravate uh, vata dosha. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same, for example, for kapha dosha. If, uh, if I'm having a lot of heavy, oily foods and I'm having those kinds of symptoms or a lot of uh, excessive amount of sweet, if I just cut those down, then oftentimes the body will come right back to balance and take care of itself. So what about the excess pitta? Is that mostly leaving out those, that hot, spicy? That's right, yeah, the hot, yeah. spicy food as well as the alcohol, caffeine, and refined sugar. Hmm. Yeah. But most importantly, as it relates to how we feel around menstruation, we need to learn to allow our feelings to come and go without judgment and without drama. Any feelings? Any feelings. <laughs> you know, we, we really, you know, we can't control the feelings that come up, but we can control our response to them. And this makes such a difference in 
our body because how we respond to those feelings, for example, if we decide they're bad or they're wrong, mm-hmm. then now we have that all of that energy getting bound up in those feelings. Whereas if we have a feeling, and we all have feelings sometimes that might not be the most attractive, but if we just let them come and go, we don't have to do anything with them, that energy will just pass, and then we can move on and focus our energy in the direction we want to go. I like how you've described it as emotions are energy in motion, and that they're meant to move. That's right, that's right. So there are many things that we can do, you know, to help us be able to process the feelings and allow them to come and go easily. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of getting to know ourselves internally a little bit better. For people who are used to mm, hiding their feelings, for example, what can they, how can they start to work with letting their feelings come and go without judgment? That's kind of a tall order for a lot of people. Right, right. (laughs) Well, first thing we have to do is start to let go of our perfectionist thinking because that really puts us in prison. And, you know, some of us grow up with this idea that, oh, if I just push for perfection, that that will make me do better at things. Mm -hmm. But it really puts us in a box. Most of us, we want freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe some people don't think about that too much, but we'd like to have freedom in our mind and freedom in our movement. And so letting go of perfectionist thinking and allowing whatever we do right in that moment to be enough and understand that it really is the best that we can do right in that moment. And maybe next time we'll do something even better. When I first started letting go of the perfectionism, and it's an ongoing process, you mentioned I can put it in my hands, put it out in front of me, and then turn my hands over and let it go. So I still I still do that sometimes. I put things into my hands, put them out in front of me, and then turn them over and let them go. Yeah, that's right. So anything, especially worry or things that are running around in our mind that we really can't solve. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that having a practice of yoga asana or postures and proper breathing will make a big difference in that as well mm-hmm. in our ability to allow our energy to just process through us and to allow the energy to move. Yeah, I love how we get to support people with that aspect of coming to balance with our Yoga Foundation's online course as well as our private consultations. It's mm-hmm. so fun working with clients by Skype mm-hmm. on their pranayama and meditation practice. Yeah. I've been enjoying that. And then, of course, the other thing is meditation. Mm-hmm. You know? So even just starting with one or two minutes of meditation can, can be very helpful in starting to get to know yourself internally and being able to process out the feelings that might come up during menstruation or at any other time. In regards to the symptoms that people experience, I would assume that something like Uttaravasti, which is a simple treatment that one can do at home as a douche or sits bath, uh, that it's a good general rejuvenative to bring the system back to balance. It does help tremendously. It helps to rejuvenate, actually, the vaginal area and all the reproductive organs. And that would be appropriate for any of the doshic symptoms. Yes, that that Mm -hmm. rosebud and raspberry leaf would be appropriate. But we can also use other herbs depending on the specific needs of an individual. Great. Now, for our listeners who identified with some of the vata, pitta, and kapha type symptoms, what are some specific remedies that they might employ 
Okay, so remedies then are things that will help you if you do have the problem happening. Right, in now. those moments. Yes, up to now we've been talking about, you know, what can we do to prevent it so that it no longer happens. But let's say that you're in the middle of it. So if you have Vata symptoms, good remedies are sesame oil or castor oil, and you can make a, a pack with a piece of flannel and put it on the low belly. And if you do that a couple of times a day... That's something new to me. Would one just soak a, the piece of flannel in oil and wring it out and place it on the abdomen? Or how would that work? I would warm the oil, in this case, warm the oil up, and then put the, soak the flannel in it and then just lay it on the belly. Okay. And then just have very simple food, a soupy rice that we call quenille, for a few meals. And that has a little bit of ginger and turmeric and salt and maybe a touch of ghee in it. That gives you some nourishment but allows your, your agni, your digestive fire, to build up again. And then some ginger and licorice tea with some honey, that, that's also going to be very helpful for relieving the vata symptoms. Okay, what about the pitta remedies? Uh, yeah, so for pitta symptoms, we'd want to use coconut oil, right? Because the pitta is, is fire, so, so it's hot. Uh, coconut oil is cooling. So using that on the low belly. And if you didn't have the flannel, you could just rub the coconut oil gently onto the belly. Uh, drinking coconut water, again, because it's, it's cooling, but you'd want to make sure not to do that if you lived in a cold winter place. Hibiscus tea is another one that's cooling. Mint tea is nice. Um, and then having kitchari or soupy rice, again, easily digested foods. And some nice spices to aid that digestion is uh, fennel and coriander and a little turmeric as well. Hmm. And then what about the kapha? Then the kapha, we'd want to use a pack on the belly, castor oil or castor oil and mustard oil, half and half. And um, for cooking and, and if you had a drink, something with cinnamon, black pepper, clove, ginger, things that are really warming. And stay away, of course, from the oily foods and sugars. Okay, so just a plain ginger tea would be appropriate for the kapha? It would, yes. Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah. And you could have a combination of these symptoms. Uh, so you may want to choose what types of symptoms are most prominent for you. Or you can also then get a consultation to sort things out. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of ladies who have expressed interest. And that was actually one of the questions that was asked on Facebook with the hashtag Ask Holly Pooling. What's the approach of Ayurveda about femininity and well-being in general? Well, we've been, I would say that what we've been saying already would be relevant in terms of Ayurveda. And also the Bhagavad Gita, one of the main texts of yoga, uh, refers to women as the pivotal point to society. And that when we drift from our natural ways, that our society flounders. And I think we have that going on at this time. Just like Ayurveda looks at the balance within the individual then this is, gets reflected on the outside as well. When each of us does something to work on keeping things balanced inside, then how we approach life and the world will become more balanced. So we can provide you know, a grounded and secure environment for our children, and that's such an important point. Mm -hmm. Mara, I haven't asked you this question yet, but I was just wondering, why do you think that women are the pivotal point in society? Because we have the ability to create. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if we think about this just in terms of the beauty of life, 
we don't create by ourselves. It takes men and women to do that. But it's a very special privilege that we have, and it's something that we need to cultivate in life uh, and look at the beauty of it. And I think that it has become much too mechanical and, uh, um, and maybe even degrading in some ways. Mm-hmm. So bringing the beauty back into that process as well as uh, the incredible beings that we all are, women and men, and starting to look at that as something that we can cultivate and that should flourish, then we become more creative Mm -hmm. and we enjoy life more because we learn how to be in life instead of perhaps running through life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it is important then to really honor the menstrual cycle and that process. Right. It really is. It's a, it is an important thing because it has a great deal to do with our self-respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very directly connected to our ability to create. Speaking of creating, contraception. <laughs> that is a question that has actually come up a few times, very specifically recently. We frequently see the use of IUDs and birth control pills. And just a consultation from a couple weeks ago with a lady who just recently put an IUD in and she had chosen that over birth control pills because it didn't have hormones in it. So she thought it was the better of the options, but actually it's causing her significant imbalance. Right, because the way the IUD works is to cause an ongoing state of inflammation so that nothing can lodge in the uterus. And this is something that's going completely against our nature. Right. So the body is in a constant state of battle, you could say. Yeah, and if you look at things compartmentalized, then it's, it's going to address that issue of, of conception. However, if you look at it holistically, then really it's... It's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah, and it does, you know, as, as many people have problems with ending up with a lot of excessive problems during menstruation, including severe cramps and uh, feeling sick and not being able to function, um, then one has to look at, you know, those kinds of choices and that there are really some, there are some other possibilities. And I mentioned birth controls earlier, you know, aside from them just being chemicals, anything in particular about the use of birth control pills? no, other than they tend to go against the natural flow of the body's message. So mm-hmm. it'll cover up a problem if it's brewing you know, the, because yeah. it forces the body into a pattern. And when the body goes out of its natural pattern, it's doing that because there's some imbalance and it gives us information. So we cover up the information that the body is trying to communicate to us. Well, neem oil is a natural remedy suggested in Ayurveda for this use, but how exactly would one use that oil for contraception? Yes. Well, you know, this is something it has been used for thousands of years for contraception. And uh, I know it's not something that a lot of Westerners are familiar with or comfortable with, but it uh, works pretty well. Uh, it is a something that you can just insert into the vagina. In other words, you could use a dropper and put neem oil in. It doesn't cause harm to either party. But uh, it can also be used in a cervical cap. You know, I'm not proposing that everybody should do this, but it is something that has worked for many people. Mm -hmm. If one was inserting it, would you do that directly before intercourse? 
Right. It, it could be done actually for some period before. Okay. Yeah. So it could be done a few hours before and good for a good while. Again, though, you know, these are these are things that are not that familiar to most Westerners, and I think mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing that someone would have a feel for it if, it if it seems appropriate for them. But, of course, the other options are to follow your natural cycle and to be aware when you're ovulating, and you can do that also by watching the change of temperature in your body and, of course, the use of condoms as well. Okay. Aside from body temperature, is there any other way to know if one is, when one is ovulating? Well, you might actually feel it. So as you, as you get to know your body, and especially without some of the drugs and that kind of thing, then you, would, you can feel the ovulation happen. Yeah. Okay. Here is one more question directly off the Facebook page. The hashtag Ask Hale Pule. What does Ayurveda suggest to help women live healthy and happily in their femininity? Well, as we've been referring to, you know, in the last 50 years, women have started acting more like men, and we thought that was necessary for our equality, and perhaps it was. So in acting more like men, in the sense that we... Trained ourselves to shut down our emotions even more, and, uh, and less use of our intuition, and these are two of the most important things that allow us to express who we are as women, and that distinguishes us from men. So these are things that are needed in our society today, and especially to keep the balance. So we need to be able to have a full range of emotions and let it be okay, and to use our intuition and to follow it and trust it. So that's one of the reasons why women are so uh, interested in natural healing today, because we naturally want to bring the balance back to things. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, and from an Ayurvedic standpoint, we are meant to feel well as young and as mature women. When we learn how to be ourselves and to live in our truth, then we can have that. Mm -hmm. I know I've heard recently, and I've experienced this myself sometimes too, is that living truth in the presence of men can sometimes be difficult. That, you know, that one will act differently in the presence of men. So, how can we work to maintain our energy around men who may seem more aggressive or more domineering? Domineering, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, as women, a lot of us have learned how to be domineering too, thinking that that's what's going to work better. Um, so when we learn some tools that we use in our subtle energy meditations, but learning how to be in a neutral place in the center of your head is one thing, mm -hmm. and how to be aware of your crown chakra which is the, the sahasra at the top of the head. And this is the energy of our knowingness and how we access our intuition. Now, the, being aware of that and being aware of our, our feelings without actually becoming our feelings. In other words, that we don't have to, it doesn't always have to be expressed. It doesn't always have to be, um, become who we are. It's just a feeling. It's just a movement of energy. What do you mean when it doesn't have to always be expressed? Because you don't want to repress the feelings. No, you don't want to repress the feelings, yeah. but you can let the feeling come and then just let it go. It's, it's a movement of energy. Sometimes you might do that with a breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might just, you might just watch it come and go. You know, as we st start to realize that all human beings, men or women, have feelings, and if we allow them to just come and go, then they don't stick. If we don't give them some judgment or something to get stuck with, then they pass 
and they may come again and they may not. And one of the things that I think is so important now is that we allow for our differences and value all of our characteristics, meaning those of us, women or men, that have stronger intuition, that we allow ourselves to cultivate that. And it doesn't give us power over anyone. It just gives us an additional perspective. Mm-hmm. So, Myra, what does feminine mean to you? Well, you know, when I think of feminine, I think of the feminine qualities that we all have in us, all human beings. Men and women. Men and women. And so that, but it's the softer, more intuitive part of us. It's the part of us that has an inward orientation. And it's the part of us that easily realizes our connection to God or to the God of our heart or to the source of the universe. And we all then have that outward and logical orientation as well. And we need some of that to function in our world. Mm. Well, that all sounds very appealing to relax into as a woman. Uh, How can one cultivate those feminine aspects if they seem to have strayed from them? You can work on developing some awareness of, of the masculine and feminine qualities within you, and you can do that in meditation. You can do that just by thinking about what you think they are and just starting to, to be aware of yourself in a new way. But usually we like to do some breathing exercises and some meditation that will help do that, and our subtle energy meditation certainly helps with that. Are there specific breathing exercises? Well, just, just being aware of the breath mm-hmm. at different times of the day can be very helpful for starting. Mm-hmm. And then just realizing that any time we get into self-judgment, if you become aware that you're in self-judgment, you could just stop and pause and start breathing right then in a more conscious way and just let your breath take the judgment down the river. Something I remind myself of is that I can start my day over any time. That's right. (laughs) Can let go of the judgment and start over any time. Let's say that we have someone who really wants to take steps to be a strong, confident woman. What do you suggest? Where do you suggest starting? As we've been talking about it, having some awareness of the masculine and feminine energies and our qualities inside of us. But some of the things specifically only do things that have you feel good about yourself inside and stop doing the other things. Mm, That can be a challenging one to apply. It might be, but it's something that will pay off greatly. Mm -hmm. You know, if we keep doing things that have us not feel good about ourselves, then we won't feel good about ourselves. And our ego gets really invested in feeling right. So the more we can let go of that, the better. It's actually quite simple. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And do things that help you develop a connection to your higher self, you know, through some kind of spiritual practices or sadhana, we call it, such as meditation. And then regularly review your attitude and your beliefs in your life and see if they need to be updated. Sometimes we don't realize that we're operating from a belief that we were raised with that may not really be our own truth. And that helps us to step out of our old roles and into a new view of ourselves. And these are things that help us cultivate more inner awareness and lead us into a better way of living. That's it for this time. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next month with Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga. Thanks so much for listening to Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga. 
Don't forget, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, just submit your question on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag AskHollyPule. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E. And if you want to go deeper on your own path toward health, book a consultation at hollypule.com. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join simple Ayurvedic cooking with Halepule. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes. <laughs>